God. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, praise God. It's amazing the difference a, a day can make. And um, for us who were in Israel, we would know that probably a wee bit more than you. Um, we woke up on Saturday the 7th and um, with sirens going off, with um, missiles in, in the sky. Although we heard them, we weren't never seen them there. Helicopters flying by us. And we were living in, we were camping out in a place, a peace forest. Others were in, um, we're in the city of Jerusalem itself. And then all of a sudden, just unexpectedly, nobody's seen it happening. It should have been the last against day of the feast. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And even to today, we're now looking at a very, a very dangerous situation in, in that land. And as I felt this morning to say, when I kind of finished, it was that scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was anguishing and knowing what was before him, the disciples, it was, they still never really, really believed that Jesus was going to be arrested and was going to be turned over as he said he would. And then all of a sudden, he says, when he was in agonizing in prayer, the disciples were asleep. And I, and I felt this morning, the key word would be, it's time for us to wake up. Um, I think we've been sleeping for far too long, even as a church. I think someone called the church the sleeping giant. And, um, and somebody's been trying to wake up, and someone as God been trying to wake up the church um, to the lateness of the hour. And um, they didn't know how late the hour was, but it was actually right at the doorstep. Jesus says, arise, for, for the enemy has come, you know, the time is at hand. And I think this is a kind of key word for us um, as a church today. And Heather would pray, that she even prayed to that. It's time for us to wake up, and that means individually. I shared the story this morning when we were um, staying in Ibis Hotel in Luton Airport. And um, just to be doubly sure, because when I sleep, I'd, I'm dead. Linda will tell you that. I mean, somebody could come in and rob my house blind, you know what I mean, with the big boots on, you know. And I'm, when I go to sleep, I'm like, it's like I don't, I, I just, have a, you know, I'm just out of it. And so I just thought, what about a wake up call? And he says, we don't do wake up calls, sir. So basically, you know, better set your phone, set your own alarm. It's your own responsibility. And that really kind of spoke to me as well just over this period of time. That it's all our own responsibility to wake up. We, we see the lateness of the hour. We see the events that's unfolding. It, it reminds me when a tragedy struck this land, this nation, Britain, when all hell broke loose, when our armed services were fighting abroad, when Hitler had us at his mercy. Um, and if it wasn't for the divine intervention of God, we, our, 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 our army would have been wiped out. Let's not kid ourselves on, think, with the great British army. Hitler, we were, at, we were on, the, on the shores of Dunkirk and um, with the sea before us and, and they could have easily have just come in and totally annihilated us if we had not surrendered. But God, but God. But what we realized was the church woke up. The church were on their knees. The churches were packed to overflowing, crying out to the living God. And that's what happens when terrible times happen. It, it's, it, it gets, gets ourselves onto our, our knees. And sometimes God needs to bring a wake-up call. Now that wake-up call has come to Israel. I've been speaking to someone earlier today as well. The whole nation is galvanized. The whole nation is in shock. The whole nation are devastated, are mourning, are angry, are raging, are, and are, are, are just feeling such terrible pain at this moment in time. But it's galvanized them and it's woke them up. And, um, and they now are going to be taking action. <clears throat> what we need to do, guys, is see the lateness of the hour. I don't think anybody really believes in the lateness of this hour. 
I believe something strategically has happened as a shift in the, in, 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 in the heavenlies. And I believe that we are moving towards the end of days. Especially you are a lot younger than me and there's a lot. Fortunately, there's a few probably a bit older than me. Makes me feel a little bit better. But I'm up there. I'm pushing on. I've got my bus pass for goodness sake. That took me a bit to go over it. But time is moving on. Usually when you're young, you don't, you don't think, you don't tend to think too much ahead. You think, I've got all my life to live before me. There's going to come a day when that life is going to just be taken from us. That, like, we're just going to hit one of those moments when it's like the Lord says, that's it, it's done. And he says, he'll come like a thief in the night and God will just call time out. That's it, time's out. I was bringing the, the, this morning deism and theism, the God who is inside of time or the God who is outside of time. You make up your mind on that. You know, is God outside of time or is God in time? Well, actually, he's both. For God is eternal, therefore he's outside of time. That's why he's the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end. God is already at the end of time. We struggle to even understand that because God is not caught up in time. He is time, he is the I am. He doesn't grow old, he doesn't, you know, it's like he sees the beginning, he sees the end, he is the eternal one. But he also is a God who is in time. He's in the space with us. So he's in here with us, but he's outside of us as well. Hallelujah. The God who works in time. And time is running out. That great clock, you know, sometimes you see a big clock and you just see it's tick, tick, ticking. And that clock has been ticking for a long time, but there's got to come a point when that t- clock is going to just strike 12, you know, when the, when the alarm goes off. And it was like us that day and sitting there one minute, all, all hell breaks loose and sirens are going off. And it just came out of nowhere. Sitting there very peacefully, weren't we? Thomas just very peacefully, just killing time, waiting for a bus to come and pick us up. And the sun was shining, blue skies. And um, we were thinking about just getting ready to pack up and to come home. And then everything just changed like a click. That's how usually things happen, isn't it? It just, it just comes from nowhere. You, one minute you think everything is fine. I got some um, correspondence from Israel. I've been getting a few people that are corresponding with us. And this was quite a harrowing story. I don't know if I told you this this morning. I'm getting a little bit kind of muddled. I have, forgive me, for we've got some other people here tonight. And there was a, a family on, on the Friday night, because don't forget, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. There was a young son with his parents, and they would be in synagogue. They would be worshipping the Lord. And, um, but as soon as the synagogue time came to an end, he jumped in his car, and he raced to the rave that was taking place in the desert, which was a rave. You know, young guys, you know what a rave is? We're all there bevying, drinking, partying, all the usual stuff, you know, immorality, all of that's there. Israel's a very immoral country, 40 odd percent are secular, and we know that, so just what you've got here, you've got there. So he was in with the family, he was doing his spending the time, and, and then he rushed off quickly to get to the rave, you know, the big party. Do you know what that's like? You know, you just need to get to the party. Unknown to him, it was only about a short distance away from the border of Gaza. And that was one of the first locations when they came out over the wall, when the fences broke down. That, that rave was attacked and we know there was over 300 or something. I don't know if there was about nearly 300 actually killed. There was a couple of hundred people at that rave. And this mother, the last two texts she received from her son, the last two texts that she received was one, Mum, I'm, so, I'm, I'm very sorry, Mum. I love you. That's it. That's it. That's, that's the last correspondence she had for her son because, you know, he, instead of being there in, in the synagogue and for the next day and rejoicing before God with his family, before the things of God and the Feast of Tabernacles, he ran to a rave and to a party. 
But unfortunately, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's cost him his life. And he probably just had time to send two texts. So all of us in here will probably get family, we'll get loved ones. Could you imagine receiving that? And, and the helplessness at that moment in time, you read the news. Can you imagine the brokenness of all of that? That he's, he, he lost his life very quickly after that, just shot down dead in, in a moment in time. That's how quickly death comes to us all. And as I says, this is a wake-up call to the people of Israel. And, um, and it is a big, massive wake-up call to the people of Gaza as well. There's, all hell's going to break loose there. And, and it's, 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 it's going to happen. But everything could turn around even for us in our own personal circumstances. I, pe- I'm, I bump into people all the time and they think life is going great for them. Now all of a sudden it's just like your life can change. You can wake up one day and you're ill, you're not well and you know something goes wrong. Or life just turns in, in, in a dime. This is not a time to be outside of God. This world is, 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 is becoming so volatile. This world is becoming so... Did Jesus not say that? There'll be wars and there'll be rumors of wars. Do, do you know how many people are dying in Ukraine, Russian and Ukrainians, and a lot of other people who are mercenaries who are in there? It's probably close to half a million people. That's, do you know the extent of that? Do you know what's taking place? There was a massive earthquake again in Afghanistan. Jesus says there'll be earthquakes, there'll be, you know, there'll be devastations in the natural, in, in the atmosphere. And all of these signs are there before us. And there was a, before that, there was another major earthquake in some other location of the West. Jesus says, these are the beginnings of birth pains. And all of these things are happening before our eyes. And yet, because we're living here, and we, we, we're just not quite taking it aboard. And, well, we're okay, and everything will be fine. Well, who knows when something could erupt here or something could go wrong with us. I just say this is a wake-up call to the church. It's a wake-up call to you, and it's a wake-up call to me. And it's a time for us to get close to the Lord, that we might shelter under the wings of the living God, that we will take shelter and and, and protection in the mighty God of heaven who will look after us. I was thinking just again, just the book of Revelation, and when Jesus writes to the seven churches, and one of the key things that he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The seven churches... I think five of them were really serious messages. Jesus doesn't pull his words. He speaks very clearly, very directly, and he speaks directly into the situation. Now, there were seven churches of Asia. That was seven literal churches. People have tried to say that they are dis- dispensational churches down through the centuries, and we could be the age of Laodicea, neither hot nor cold, who think we've got everything going for us. But the Lord says, you don't realize you're pitiful, blind, and poor, and naked. You know, that you think you are okay, but you're not okay. Is that not probably what most of us maybe think sometimes? I'm talking to Christians. You know, most people think, yeah, I'm okay, and everything's fine, and everything's rosy in the garden. And that might be the case. I don't want to put a guilt trip on us. But I know so many people that are living their lives not really where they should be. But yet we just say, well, everything's fine, I'm okay, I'm doing good. Do you remember one time I came in here to the church and I went, how's the church? How are we all? Are we good? And everybody said, yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. And then I kind of brought in that kind of punchline. I went, who told you that? It's quite, it was, you'd have to be in the room that day. Hey, Liz, that would have been a good one. It still stands out. You'd have to be in the room. I said, who told you? Who told you that you're doing good? And generally, it would generally be, well, myself really, because I, I think I'm doing good, so I'm, I'm doing good. But who actually told you you were doing good? You know, sometimes the Bible tells us to search ourselves. Um, 
one of my correspondents with this man, Charles um, Garcia, uh, um, Irish descent, he's American and he's in Israel just now. And I says, as we're corresponding, and I just, I've come back with a new desire. Not that I've not had that desire, but I want to tell you, in times my past, I know what it's like sometimes to really seek God, that I'm determined to take hold of him, that I'm determined that I need to get in touch with God. And there's been moments, and thank God, they're, they're more than less. And I came back with a revitalization again to say, I'm going to take hold of God and, and, and push in into that place where I know God is calling to me. I say, so I'm going to come back to search, search for the one who searches me in Psalm one. Three nine, David says that. So let, let's just read a portion of that, and I'll get my specs out for that this evening. Hallelujah. Psalm one three nine, Psalm of David. Some glorious psalms here of David, isn't there? But this is this is indeed a very special psalm, and it's good for us all to take notice of this psalm. You know, David was a man who knew God. I mean, everybody says, "Ah, oh, he was an adulterer. He was an a murderer." Stop. <laughs> Stop right there, okay? God says, David is a man after my own heart. David had a unique, a unique relationship with the living God. It's amazing when you can make a mistake in life and everybody will keep pointing to you. Oh, I remember him. Ah, he did this, he did that. He ran away with the money of the church. Or he fell foul of this. And it's amazing how we can always remember the, kind of, the, the downside of someone's life. The, you know, we forget about all the great things. We always seem to major on their failings and their faults. We're good at that, aren't we? You know, you're pointing the speck of the, the, the plank in your brother's eye, you know, the, the speck of dust in your brother's eye, but I don't realize I've got a plank in mine. We're all great at looking at other people and saying, ha, 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 And sometimes you need to, somebody says, well, as soon as you point the finger, there's all these fingers pointing back at you. And um, oh, to see ourselves, as Rabbi Burns would say, as others see us. I mean, it's a good principle. But this one there, it says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Is that not a scary verse, isn't it? Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. I mean, this is the one who searches us and he knows us. I don't know about you, that freaks me out sometimes. <laughs> because I know me. <laughs> and you know, I, I, you know, people just see the, 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 the external, but God sees not only the external, but he knows the internal. But you know the good news is? But he loves us. And he's long-suffering towards us. And he's not here to just strike us down dead. Yes, he knows we're failings, but he died for those failings. And all of us are struggling with our failings, but that doesn't mean he say we stay in the failings, we should move on from glory to glory and we overcome them, but you'll bump into some others along the road. And here's David sitting there, he says, you know when I sit and when I rise, you, for you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down, and you're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. For you hemmed me in behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit, and where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
For my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And I'll stop there. When I am awake, I am still with you. Hallelujah. And we know that tragic scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was agonizing. He came back and he says, are you asleep? Could you not have stayed awake for this hour, my greatest trial? He says, pray, pray and seek the Lord. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the trouble is all of us have got a flesh and we can get tired and we can get weary and it's easy just to lose the spark and you take your foot off the accelerator and you're not in that place where God wants us to be. Do you know where God wants us to be just now? He wants us to be very, very, very close to him, especially the days that we're running into, that we might hear the still small voice. Linda and I prayed that and um, we were on... I, we were walked across the hills to our, my special place of prayer. And, um, and it was wonderful standing with my wife holding hands. And, and we were praying. We were looking out to the Lord. And, and, um, and I took up this oil that I brought back. I smuggled it in. <laughs> Not really smuggled it in. But I knew the only way for me to get that through customs was I had to put it in a small bottle. And it was those, these little radox, you know, kind of gel, shiver gels that I took with me. Amen. So I emptied it up. But I, I filled it up with oil to so make sure I was going to get it through my little case in the way back. Because anything over 100 mil gets binned. But, the, the, but that little shiver gel was, you know, the one that says awake. And I thought that was unique. Awake. You know, one of those ones you come in and you shiver and you just get that, you just get the, the, the shiver gel out and then I've, I feel good. Dude. I don't know that I sing that in the shower. But awake. And I felt that was relevant, that fresh anointing just now that the Lord is saying, we need to be awake like never before. There's so much news. There's so much things taking place before us. There's so many voices all across Christendom saying this, saying that, saying this, saying that. And we have to say, Lord, it's so easy to think, oh, what, the devil's doing this, and this is the devil, and this is happening, the powers of darkness. And I'm just saying, I'm looking beyond all of that. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord? Lord, what is the lateness of the hour? Do you think God is, is not wanting to communicate that to his church? Do you think God wants us to be unprepared for the second coming? of the majesty and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I often say, do you think God wants to find us? You know that expression when you maybe you catch a man with his trousers down, you know there's an expression that means you're not prepared. He's, you're caught in the, in the wrong side of town. Amen? Do you think God wants to come back and find his church in a dreadful state? And it is, if I wanted to be unkind, but if we looked across the church in general, it's not his most glorious moment in time. There's, there's so many things we could, we could highlight just now. The Bible says Jesus is coming back for us, bride, a beautiful bride, a church that is ready and prepared for him. And I believe that shofar is blown right now, like that alarm that went off. I mean, I want to tell you this, see when a siren goes off, guess what? It catches your attention. <laughs> when you're sitting there and it's not, this is not a doorbell ringing or a Big Ben giving a ding dong, ding dong. When that siren goes off, I want to tell you this, it's like, what's happening? It's like immediately it's got your attention. Immediately you think trouble. 
something serious is wrong. And as I can still sit here, and Thomas will be of the same ilk, there we are sitting there in the beautiful sunshine, and all of a sudden the sirens start going off, and then all of a sudden bombs and things were taking place. Not that they were falling right on top of us, but there was the Iron Dome was taking things out. We could hear the bombing in the distance. And all of this then, in this moment in time, everything changed at that moment in time. And I really believe it's like the Lord is a wake-up call for Israel. But to me, again, I want to emphasize for this congregation tonight, some of you were here this morning, this is a wake-up call for the church. This is a wake-up call for the church, for the people of God, for all of us. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us again to soberly come to consider what we are doing here in this life. So often it's so easy to go up in life and we're doing business, what we're called to do, we're working, we've got this going on, we've got that going on. And we don't give too much consideration to the eternity. For that's what we've been called to. Do you know we're called to eternity? We are, we, we are called, we're not of this world. The Bible says we are of that world. Jesus says, you have been translated from this world. And he says, Father, I pray for them. As I am not of this world, neither are they of this world because now I've brought them unto myself. I think that's amazing, don't you? I'm no longer of this world. I belong to another kingdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and, 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 and Jesus says, my, are you are a king. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's from another world. Oh, you are a king. And then Jesus just suppressed the conversation and wasn't going to be too enlightened and too pilot. But Jesus says, I am from another world. Hallelujah. And when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were translated out of this world and we are translated into the kingdom of God. Therefore, I'm no longer of this kingdom. I'm now of the kingdom of God. I'm not waiting to be into the kingdom of God. I am in the kingdom of God. And I think that is the moment that I'm trying to stress again tonight, and I'm going to take a very short time to, to just, again, to encourage all of us. We need to realize that we are, in the, we are a kingdom of God now, and we need to start living as a kingdom of God people that God has asked us to do that. For far too long, we've been living as in the kingdom of this world, and it's had too much hold on us. It's got too much pull and persuasion to us. I believe the Lord is saying in this late hour just now, it's time for us to awake, to arise, and to realize who we are. We are of the kingdom of God. We are called to be a kingdom of God people just now. And we need to take that out into the highways, into the byways, and we need to be the shining lights that he has asked us to be. I don't worry about the darkness getting too dark, because the darker the darkness gets, guess what? The brighter the light will become. That's in you and that's in me. We will start to shine more and more and more as the darker it gets as we pull close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus writes to these seven churches and I broke in there with the great man David because David was a great man, a great man. Honestly, un unbelievably great. I would have to say Moses is number one. I, I couldn't think of an Old Testament figure greater than Moses. We have Elijah, but we have David as well. And God promised David, from your seed shall come the Messiah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? From your seed will come the Messiah. Singled him out. Glory to God. Amazing. But he writes to the church and says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. I want to tell you this just now. We need our ears to be opened up. I'm going to finish with a little story, which is not so funny for me, but you might find it funny. And um, 
when I came out the med, one of those days, the med was beautiful, wasn't it, Thomas? And we went for that great swim, and we're all swimming, and you know, you know, you get hit the waters, waves, and you're under the sea and everything. I mean, we're like wee kids sometimes, aren't we, if it's Scotland, I mean, you just get a chance to swim in the sea, and the water's warm, you know, when you walk into the water, when you're, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. But when I came out, again, my ear was like, you know, causing me problems, but I just think it's water in my ear. Of course, Paul enlightened me. He goes, no, Arthur, that's wax. There's something about that wax. I don't like the, even the, the wax. I'll get wax in my ear. I just thought it was water. I went, no, I had the same problem. So it just was playing up now and, now and again and just kept bothering me and bothering me. And I said, when I come back, I need to go and get that sorted. So I made an appointment with uh, Asif, the chemist there. Didn't realize he does the syringes. And so when I phoned up, he says, well, you need to put some hot oil in your ear or something similar to start to break it up and then made the appointment. Managed to get him to see me on Saturday before Sunday. And so there it was. I was like, hey, see that awake oil? <laughs> Heating up. Went to the Five drops in each ear. So there we go. And um, so then I go to the chemist yesterday, my appointment. It's an interesting appointment. But I won't tell you too much. I had a good conversation with the man. So then he starts looking at the ear, right? Okay, you've been putting oil in. And then he just, the next minute he's done my ear. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I was like, for the sake of me. It was like, you know, it was like a hydraulic water. And he's working away and he's working away. And he went, oh, he goes, this is a bad year. This is a bad case. This is what you mean, a bad case. He goes, oh, I don't like the look of this. So then he goes in and he's, and you can see he's trying to get this wax out. It was like, you know, and then it's like, oh, this is fucking painful. He goes, you're right. I'm, I'm just being the man. I goes, I am okay. And it's like, oh, it's just no one to give way. And it's like, we'll have another go. But this time my ear was starting to bleed a wee bit. He says, that's quite common. But anyway, he took pictures and he went, oh, look at these pictures. He goes, that's what we call a, a wax ball. A wax ball. He goes, look at all the hair. All the hair's all tangled into it. He says, it's got such a grip. He said, I've not seen many years like this. And I'm getting, I was like, for Pete's sake. I said, I felt like going outside and getting one of those things that, you know, suck up the drains outside, you know. So anyway, he had to give up. He had to give up and he says, right, you know, just try and keep your ear dry for the next few days. And then I've got these special drops to drop in. And I need to go back and see him within two weeks. Thing is, now, I'm not hearing too good. I can hear, but I'm not hearing too good. My ear's dull. You know why? Because I've got a blockage. I don't even like saying that word, but it's wax. It's blocking my ear. I need to get it out so that I can hear properly. Now, I can still hear, but it's bugging me. It's kind of dullness. I'm not hearing properly. So there's a blockage in that ear, which makes it even more so when I'm saying this now, the Lord is saying, you know, he who's in the ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to him. It's interesting when God speaks. It's not always like the big screaming voice, you know, the, the archangel. When, you, when, an arch, when an angel speaks, it says the very earth shakes. Remember, God spoke from Mount Sinai. I mean, it's like, I mean, the people were terrified. His voice boomed. It was like the sound of thunder. It's thunder. And everybody quaked in their shoes. But do you remember that another time when God, Elijah's running away from Jezebel after his great victory in Mount Carmel? Isn't it amazing when you have a great victory the next minute you're running away like a like a wee scaredy a wee scaredy boy running for your life? And God speaks to him and says, Now and he, and he, and he, he takes him all the way back again to what? To Mount Sinai. And he says, I will speak with you there. And we know he's up there, there's a thunder, there's a the, the, the lightning, there's a storm. And it says, Then came a very still, small voice. A very still small voice. And he hid his face. 
And then he steps out because God was in the still. He wasn't the storm. He wasn't the thunder and lightning. He wasn't in the, 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 the loud noise. He was a very still, small whisper. And then he went out because that was the Lord speaking. In my morning times of prayer, I always say this. Lord, open up my eyes to see that which is unseen. Do you know there's an unseen world there, out there? An unseen world. There's a spiritual realm. An unseen world. I says, and open up my ear that I might hear the still small voice of your Lord. Because there's so many voices, isn't there? Screaming, talking. I'm talking about in church. Saying this, saying that, saying this, saying that. And it's like, it's like, God, I'm confused. <laughs> I know so many people. I was like, who do I believe? Who do I listen to? You know? And I says, Lord, please help me to hear the still small voice of your Holy Spirit. Can I just encourage all of us tonight that we need to tune our ears. We need to unblock. And I'm busy getting mine unblocked. But do you know what I mean? But sometimes we need our ears to be opened up. Yes, I've got need to deal with some natural wax there, okay, that I need to open up, right? But all of us have got stuff that's maybe blocking our ears, that's maybe clouding our eyes. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I just pray that for me, for me, but I'm also praying for you, that we can hear the voice of the Lord especially in these days in which we find ourselves. I believe these are unique days. Now, listen to me. This will be, we'll know soon enough, this thing is going to escalate. This thing is going to escalate. This thing is going to change everything that we think has actually happened just now. I think this is going to result in a great hatred towards Israel because there's going to be a lot of damage done and it's going to, be, it's going to result in that spirit of anti-Semitism. It's already all over the world. I mean, in Sydney, they're shouting, gas the Jews, and they've got all these Muslims, radical Muslims, on the streets. Gas the Jews, gas the Jews. This is Australia. I mean, I would just get in there, round the whole lot of them up, get the first boat and say, out. And they're on the streets of Glasgow. They're on the streets of London, demanding, screaming and bawling. Listen, Islam is not our friend. And I said this morning, do you know part of what some of these radicals say? First the Saturday people, and then the Sunday people. Do you know the amount of Christians, Christians that are being murdered all over the world by Islam? Do you know that? Afghanistan. Look at the history. They hate Christians with a passion. And just as they want to destroy the Jews, they also want to overcome the Christians also. And we need to be aware of that. We need to rise up against that. And we need to pray against that. It's a spirit that is actually now fermenting all over the nations and nations, and be aware of that. We need the Lord's intervention. This is why I wanted to mingle just with prayer and worship. Can I encourage all of us, and Linda and I have committed ourselves that as well. Yeah, we should be praying for Israel. We should be. Hallelujah. But I'm also praying for the innocent people in Palestine and in Gaza and in, the, in, in all of these areas. Because there's innocent people just like us who are caught in the crossfire. And we need to be very conscious of them as well as we lift them up in our prayers. This is God's business and God is moving right now as we speak. Church, can I say again to all of us here tonight as I did this morning, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to hear that alarm sound that the days are coming short now 
and you've not, you might think, I've got my whole life to live for, Lord. I'm a, you're in for a shock that one day God is going to come and say, enough, the world is finished now, now, that's it, now. Just like that, go, it's done. And you're now going, but, 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 I, was, I, but I was going on holiday next week. I want to tell you this, that the seriousness of the day will come when God's going to come. And as Jesus says, I'm coming like a thief in the night. I am coming back to this world. And either you're for him or you're against him. You can't say, I'm standing in the gap just waiting for this. This is a time for you to get your life in order with God. This is a time for you to sort your life out with the Lord. Many as were brought up like that. Linda and I are very much praying for our children. Are we praying for our children? My children grew up in church. I forced my kids to grow up in church. Me, I forced them. And I could see them. They started running with the boys in the street, playing football, and then, then they're out there. And, and then, you know, they get to an age, and I see them sitting at the back of the church. When's he going to show up? <laughs> I'm out of here, because I know what to run. I want to go and catch up with the lads, da-da-da-da. And when they got to 18, I went, right, lads, make up your own mind now. You're a man. Or you're a woman. Amen. You get to 18. I made them sit to 18, because soon you're 16, you're still wet behind the ears. To be truthful, soon you're 18, you're still probably wet behind the ears as well. I says, no, you have to make up your own mind. And then they kind of went to a meeting, and then they missed a meeting, and then they went to a meeting, and then they missed a meeting, and guess what, they're not sitting in church. But thank God I've got my grandchildren just now. Amen? Small mercies. I'm praying for my kids to come back to church, and only by the grace of God he can. Hallelujah. Because you know why? The hour is late. The hour is late. I want my kids in church. I can start to see things, but they don't. They think it's just going to, don't worry, everything's just going to go on as it always has. The day is coming, my friends, when it's not. The day is coming when the siren's going to go off and that's it. It's too late. Do you remember the days? Let me just look at this watch or I'll talk too much. Sodom, the days when God was going to, through Noah, he built an ark and God was going to flood the world. Noah, Noah was a great evangelist and told people. And people laughed and mocked and they probably, what's that crazy old dude doing building this big ark, this big boat? And it was a massive big boat, I might add. It was a literal boat. And they just probably, and it, and it went on for a long time. It was a, it, was, it was a testament to them that God was going to judge the earth. And then the day came when God called two animals of every species. And then Noah and his family, his wife, three sons and their wives, all entered into the ark. And then, you know, the day came, it says, and it says this, God himself closed the door. And then it started to rain. And you can imagine the panic in the people. Hey, 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 let us in, let us in. It was too late. The door was closed. And that is the days we're living in just now. We're living in days just now, my friends. And I'll tell you this, you need to get aboard. You need to get into that ark. You need to get your life sorted out with God. You need to make your peace with God now. Hallelujah. Because the day will come when you'll not. And I will have to finish with this other story, I'm sorry. But it's personal to me. I was on the road where I was popping in a church, popping out of church. I was a young man. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, anything but. But I had an experience with God and I started popping in a church, popping out of church. One of these Pentecostal churches that we have here, you know, guitar playing, hallelujahs, praise the Lord. I wasn't used to that. And this tug of war was happening now with me and God. Uh, um, and I was thinking, I, I, need to, I need to join that church. But I was thinking, but I'm too young to join that church, you know. You know, that sex, drugs, rock and roll business, you know. I thought, I'm too young, but it was drawing me and then I was caught up in this really different things. It was holding me back from God. And one night, this is, I got this dream. This is true. One night, I come down for the Friars Hall and uh, in the dream, I come down for the Friars Hall and it's pitch black. It's dark. It's dark. It's get out. And I came out of the Friars Hall and it was like people were sitting at the side of the road like this. 
And I knew what it was. It was like this disaster was coming. It was like it, this was the end. Of, this was the end of the world, right? And I remember I, I, I was kind of stacking by and looked at this, and I went, "I run down and join the church now." And then I stopped, and I went, "It's too late. It's too late. It's too late." And I remember hanging my head and just going walking into the darkness with this despair. And then I woke up. For goodness' sake, nightmare. That church is really getting to me, I was saying to myself, you know. You think I'd have ran down to the church the next day. Do you know something? I believe God was in that dream and he was showing me something. He was showing me something. That there's going to come a day when I wouldn't be able to run down to the church and make a decision for God. Do you know why? Because it would be too late. It would have been, he's coming like a thief in the night and that's it. The door's closed. There's no more opportunity for me for salvation. Because I'd been putting it off and putting it off because I was not prepared. Because I was too young. I had my life to live. And then all of a sudden, it's just gone. I think we're going to finish with a song tonight. And we've kind of went down this road, not that I really planned to, but I will. Because of the lateness of the hour, you know, I'm just going to say, if your life is not in the hands of God tonight, and you know it's not in the hands of God tonight, can I just say, as we get into this final song, you can make a decision tonight to just say, Lord, I repent, and I'm opening up my heart to you. Maybe you've left the road and you're caught up in another road just now. Well, I want to tell you, this is, 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 is wonderful. God loves repentant sinners when God, when, when, and my person will just come to their senses and say, okay, Lord, I'm returning like the prodigal. I need, uh, Lord, I'm coming back to you. Hallelujah. Or if you've never made a decision for the Lord, tonight you can make that decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. But you need to think carefully what you're doing. This isn't just, I'll give my heart to Jesus and then it's just carry on living your life. You're turning your life over to the Lord completely, giving your life and putting it into his hands. But the greatest decision you could ever make in your whole life and it's mine, to the age of 26, 1986, 1st of June, 4.30 in the afternoon, I made a decision to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a long, long time ago. And I've never regretted it. Have I had hard times? You bet I have. But I'd rather have God in my life having hard times than not having God in my life having hard times. That's the bottom line. So as we just finish with this song, if you know that you need to make your peace with the Lord, then I want to tell you this. Maybe you've come in here by surprise. You're in here tonight. Then it's time for you to say, if, you, if that's you, don't, I'm not going to bully you. It's your heart right now. If God's touching your heart and you say, I need to make my life right with the Lord. Maybe you're outside and you should be inside. Then you can just come back to the Lord tonight and just say, Lord, I'm surrendering myself before you tonight. Let's just finish with this song. Let us, let us just reflect on who, where we are, who we are and where we are. And if the Lord is touching your heart tonight, then you come out and I'm going to pray for you, amen. And see that wee bottle of oil there that says awake, then I'm going to anoint you. And I brought it all the way back from Israel, a special olive trees that were harvested and that oil was given to me. Amen. Let's just finish with another song. We'll just keep ourselves in the presence of God. We're going to finish with that. If you need prayer tonight, then please just come. Don't look to the right or to the left. You know your heart right now. If God's touching your heart, then just say, Lord, just, just surrender to that and make your peace with God tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. 